You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Good morning, and thanks for joining me for Rise and Crime, your morning caffeine hit all about crime. I'm Mama Jules, and let's get to the news out of Portland, where the deaths of six women have many fearing that a serial killer may be lurking in and around the area. Now, the bodies of the six women have been found within 100 miles of each other, on the sides of roads, in the woods, or in secluded rural areas, and this has been happening from February through May. Now, social media speculation that the deaths are connected has been fueled by reports that multiple law enforcement agencies have been in contact with each other to see if there are any similarities among the women's deaths. So most importantly, let's get to the six women. Portland detectives are investigating the death of 22-year-old Kristen Smith of Gresham, Oregon. Her remains were found in a wooded area in the Pleasant Valley neighborhood on February 19th, and she had been missing since mid-December of 2022. Her cause and manner of death were ruled undetermined by the medical examiner. And Portland detectives are also assisting in the investigation of the death of 22-year-old Ashley Real. Now, Ashley disappeared after she was last seen at a Portland Burger King on March 27th. And Ashley was found by a fisherman in a heavily wooded area in Eagle Creek on May 7th. And authorities have yet concluded that she was a victim of homicide, but they have said her death was suspicious in nature. Now, authorities have been firm about one of the women's deaths. Joanna Speaks, who was found in a rural area of Clark County, Washington, inside a barn, was murdered, according to law enforcement. And some reports say her body was moved to the barn after her death. Now, Joanna went missing in late March and was discovered on April 8th. And the medical examiner ruled she died of blunt force trauma to the head. Now, two other women have been grouped together in the six victims, and they are 24-year-old Charity Perry, who was found in a culvert in Ainsworth State Park on April 24th, and 31-year-old Bridget Webster, who was found on April 30th in Polk County. Okay, well, that gives us five women. The sixth is an unidentified Native American woman whose remains were found inside a tent on the side of a road on April 24th. So a couple of things to note here. The unidentified woman and Charity Perry, well, they were found on the same day. And the unidentified woman was also found only three miles from Kristen Smith's body. Now, those last three women, well, Portland police have not released the manner or cause of deaths for any of those three. And in total, five separate law enforcement agencies are investigating the deaths since all occurred in various counties, but they are all within 100 miles of each other. Now, on Sunday, Portland police addressed online rumors, saying that there is no reason to believe these six cases are connected. They also warned the public against drawing conclusions based simply on the fact that law enforcement agencies are working together. Now, according to the press release, police said, in their words, it is common investigative practice, whether it is retail theft, 
robbery, sexual assault, or murder cases to consider possible connections to other cases, both in and out of our jurisdiction. They also ask that members of the community learn the facts about these cases before sharing speculation. Well, that's harder than it sounds since limited information has been released about the victims. But we can at least start with learning about the unidentified Native American woman. Okay, she's estimated to be between the ages of 25 and 40. She has black medium length hair. She's just over five feet tall and weighs about 135 pounds. She has two large scars on her lower left leg. Other identifying marks include a black music note tattoo on the upper left side of her chest and a Buddha tattoo on her upper right back. She was wearing a green long sleeve shirt, a black and white zip up jacket, jeans and black and white Adidas cleats. And she did have jewelry on when she was found. Now, despite law enforcement trying to calm the fears of Oregon and Washington residents, at least one prosecutor says he does believe the deaths could be the work of a serial killer. Hamilton County Prosecutor Mark Pipemeyer told Law and Crime's Sidebar podcast that he believes they are dealing with a serial killer and that there may be a strategic reason for doing what they are doing. He concludes that sometimes law enforcement gets pressure from elected officials because if you call these incidents the work of a serial killer, then it's going to scare people from coming into their community. So is it the work of a serial killer? Well, it depends on who you ask, obviously, but one thing always stands true. Watch out for each other and be aware of your surroundings. And as always, if you see something, say something. All right, now let's head on over to Tennessee, where a love triangle has taken an unexpected twist that involves Bitcoin and Match.com. 47-year-old Melody Sasser is accused of trying to have her romantic rival snuffed out, and she was going to pay the hitman in Bitcoin. So it all began when Melody met David Wallace on Match.com. So what brought these two together? Well, there was a love for hiking and their occupational commonalities. David is a retired Department of Engineer emergency manager and also an Air Force veteran. And Melody, she's an environmental compliance specialist. And that kind of sounds like a perfect match made in Match.com heaven. Except for one thing. David has another woman, and it's a fiancé to be exact. See, Melody and David would meet up in Knoxville, Tennessee to hike. At this point, it's unclear if there was anything more than hiking going on. But the hiking slash possible dating ended when David said he was moving to Alabama with his fiancee, Jennifer. Well, Melody did not take the news well, and she drove almost five hours to confront the couple at their Prattville, Alabama home. Now, court documents from a criminal complaint that was unsealed last week claim that Melody told Jennifer and David that she hoped they would fall off a cliff and die. The documents also claim that near this same time, Jennifer found gashes in the side of her car and that she was also receiving multiple threatening phone calls. Now, it seems that Melody might have taken the fatal attraction a little too far when she contacted a murder for hire website on the dark web called Online Killers Market. Okay, who knew such websites existed? Well, I didn't, but... Melody obviously searched it out, and she used the online name of Katree or Cat Tree. Again, who knows? But she used that name to set up the online order. 
On January 11th, Melody provided Jennifer's name, address, and a Bitcoin down payment for the $9,750 job. Okay, again, I didn't know that was the going rate for killing somebody. And all I can say is this is a really dark world. All right, in the comments of that online order, Katri or Melody or Katri, they're all the same people. They asked that the murder be random or an accident. She also wrote that the agency could plant drugs, but that she did not want a long investigation. And Katri then attached a photo of Jennifer, who she wanted to have killed. And because this baffled me, I thought it might baffle you also. This murder for hire site also offers other services based on the customer's request. Things like hacking, kidnapping, extortion, disfigurement by acid attack, and sexual violence. All right, well, Melody didn't like the service she was receiving from the murder for hire site, and she exchanged several messages with the site's administrator expressing her frustration over the delay. In one complaint, she griped, I have waited for two months and 11 days and the job is not completed. Two weeks ago, you said it was being worked on and would be done in a week. The job is still not done. Well, an online killer's representative wrote back, telling Katri the following, Jennifer is not aware. He, and that's referring to the hitman, he felled as he did not attempt it yet. He felt like it is too risky for him to do it. Now, I should tell you, I cleaned up the grammar a little bit. That's why I was struggling with that. It's so all over the place. So remember the email scams that promised gold in Africa and when people would communicate with the scammers, the language was all broken and hard to make sense of? Well, it's a bit like that in these exchanges. Okay, six days after that complaint, Melody sent another message providing detailed information about Jennifer's everyday comings and goings. I would guess in hopes that if she laid the groundwork, the murder could then happen. In this web submission, she wrote about Jennifer that yesterday she worked from home and went for a two-mile walk by herself. Okay, well, the dark web, it wasn't so dark. And the online killer's market wasn't so legit. In fact, thankfully, it was a scam. A foreign law enforcement agency alerted the Department of Homeland Security's HSI department to the assassination plot on April 27th. So then HSI alerted local police, who assigned a security detail to protect the couple. After finding out about the murder-for-hire scheme, Jennifer told local authorities that she used a fitness tracking app called Strava, and that app was likely how Melody was keeping such close tabs on her. Investigators also dug into Melody's activities and checked her automated license plate readers to see where she had been frequenting. They found that Melody's 2020 Hyundai Santa Fe was tracked in the immediate vicinity of Jennifer's office. Now, court documents also reveal that investigators followed the Bitcoin trail. They subpoenaed CoinHub, which is the Bitcoin ATM that Katri used to send the payment to the murder-for-hire scam on the dark web. Now, the company sent transaction data and customer info back to the police, and that info identified Melody as Katri. She also left a trail at four CoinHub ATMs in Knoxville, where she bought Bitcoin with cash, and then sent that Bitcoin to the digital wallet controlled by online killers market. Not only was there a digital trail at the ATMs, but there was also photographic proof. Each ATM captured Melody on security cameras, and those photos were compared to her Facebook profile and her Tennessee driver's license. 
Now, Melody was finally arrested on May 18th, and she remains in jail until her court appearance that is scheduled for today. Melody's attorney told the Daily Beast, I have been representing citizens accused of crimes for 32 years across this state, and this is certainly not the first prosecution I faced alleging some type of murder for hire scheme. Our investigation is in its infancy, as I was only retained within the last week. As such, I find it premature to comment on the facts of this case until such time as each of the allegations have been vetted and such future responses are in accordance with our state rules restricting public comments during pending prosecutions. Okay, how's that for some PR spinning? And how many murders for hire schemes have occurred in Tennessee that it's not the first time he's seen this? All right. If Melody does face trial and is convicted, she could face up to 10 years in prison. And I'll be watching this case to possibly tie up those loose ends, and I'll let you know what I learn. And we will finish with this story today out of Massachusetts. A 54-year-old man whose father was once an all-star first baseman for the Boston Red Sox is now implicated in a murder-suicide event. So let's get a little backstory here. And for that, we need to go back to 2019. 29-year-old Lisa Hazard was from Fall River, Massachusetts. At that time, she was the mother of three-year-old Dante and the former romantic interest of George Scott III, who was Dante's father. Now, the two, they were no longer partners. And Lisa was alternately spending nights and days at her mother's Fall River apartment complex and also at the apartment of Eddie Taunton. Well, on the night of March 4th, 2019, Eddie spoke with Lisa. She said she was packing items in anticipation of entering a drug rehabilitation facility in New Bedford. Now, Eddie claims that Lisa had visited her three-year-old son at his father's home, okay, that's George's home, the day before her disappearance. Now, it is presumed that Lisa went missing either the night of the 4th or the following morning on the 5th. But police, well, they got a late jump on the case. And by late, I mean really late. According to a South Coast Today news article, Eddie had to file five formal complaints to the police before he was taken seriously in the disappearance of his girlfriend, Lisa. And police finally took Eddie seriously in early June of 2019. Okay, that's a three-month delay. In the South Coast Today article, Eddie says police didn't take the case seriously because Lisa had a history of using drugs. He said her efforts to enter into rehab were her taking it upon herself to be an adult and that she was trying not to spiral out of control. And family, well, they'd been concerned about her behavior because she had begun missing important events, which was very uncharacteristic for Lisa. Now, this is Eddie's take on the disappearance. So what about what the police were saying back then? Well, a list of missing persons maintained by the DA's office says that Lisa Hazard was last seen on March 3rd, 2019, not March 4th. So Eddie's account says March 4th, the police are saying March 3rd. And that she was seen leaving the Phillips Road home with George, the father of her son. She was supposed to be on her way to a drug rehabilitation center, but she was never seen or heard from again after that day. And that's according to prosecutors that put together this list of missing persons. Okay, well, it then goes on to say, she is described as 5 feet 9 inches tall and weighing about 110 pounds with a distinctive tattoo of the Aries Zodiac symbol on her right wrist. 
And I just have to point out here that I also found news articles that said she was 5'6". So whether she's 5'6", 5'9", somewhere in between, we don't know. There's just so many differing accounts. Now, the Standard Times newspaper also says that George actually reported Lisa missing in April of 2019. Okay, so if that is true, that is still a month after she was last heard from. So whichever account is correct here, it's still too much of a delay. And as far as Lisa's family goes, they actually thought she was in rehab. They assumed that she would not be able to contact them while there. Now, all of this happened back in the spring of 2019, and it might seem like the police continued to drop the ball, but let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Warrants that involved George and the disappearance of Lisa have been sealed. So work was being done on the case. We just don't know what that work was. All right, let's fast forward to May of this year. Authorities made a visit with a warrant to the residence of now 54-year-old George Scott. His and Lisa's 8-year-old son, Dante, shared that residence with George. Information about that visit has yet to be released, but the home was searched and items were taken. And then, tragically, two and a half weeks later, on the morning of June 2nd, authorities made a well-being check on George at his home in New Bedford. Now, just to orient you, New Bedford is about 50 miles south of Boston. A family member had been alerting authorities that they had been unable to get in touch with George despite repeated attempts. Now, upon arriving at the scene, first responders said they located the bodies of a deceased adult male and a deceased juvenile male. Based on the preliminary investigation, authorities said that it appeared the two died in a murder-suicide. And now reports have confirmed that George killed his son with a sharp object before taking his own life. Now, George Scott III, he's the son of former Red Sox first baseman, George Boomer Scott. And George Scott III's online profiles list him as a former pro athlete. And according to People.com, neighbors were unsure if Dante lived at the New Bedford home full-time because they didn't always see him outside. But those neighbors did say George seemed like a nice guy. And as a follow-up, George's father, Boomer, well, he died in 2013. All right, this isn't the end for Lisa. Police confirmed that they are still viewing George as a person of interest in the disappearance of Lisa and that her case remains active. Her aunt wrote on Facebook that she wants the truth to be told. She wrote that George killed her gorgeous niece and now her handsome son. She also wrote that she wished the police would have done the job they should have done since day one. All right, even though Lisa's aunt is saying that Lisa was murdered, Lisa is still officially listed as missing. So if you have information on this case, you can call 855-627-6583. And as always, I'll keep you updated if there is movement in the cold case of Lisa Hazard and if more information comes forward about George Scott. Well, that's your Thursday edition of Rise and Crime. If you're loving this content, please rate the podcast five stars and check in with me on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. Join me again on Monday for more morning crime news. I'm Mama Jules and keep safe out there. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. 
Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. 